0: Hey, that was a quick video, wasn't it? <laughs> I got up here, didn't I? Good to see y'all. Are you doing good? Well, we got a good crowd in here today, don't we? And and people like that side over there. Have you noticed that? And that's my pointing side right there. These are the people who like to be convicted right here. You can just tell. These folks are going, you know, it's okay if you just be nice to me on this side. Okay. But anyway, I'm glad that you're here. We've been talking about what? It's on the screen. <laughs> I want to thank both of you for knowing the answer to that. It's on the screen. What have we been talking about? Okay, that's much better perspective. And I want to share, I think we have a little clip there, a little picture of our granddaughter, Collins. Do do we have that? Is that up there? Can we show that? Is it in this 940? They told me they would have it ready for this week. Just hold that thought for a moment. I'll talk about it, okay? Okay, there she is. There she is. Now, we went to the lake because we um, I was performing a wedding and Laura was directing the wedding. And so we went to the grocery store to buy some things. And they had it down there where Collins could see it. They had this fishing rod. And there, if you notice, there's a fish on the end of it. It's a turquoise fish <laughs> because it's plastic. You just tie it to the fishing rod, okay? And so she was all excited. She wanted to go fishing. And so we got her out there on the dock. And there she is. She's fishing. Okay, next picture. She puts it down in the water where she can see the fish, right? And then she pulls it back out from there. So it's this is a guaranteed deal, okay? You're going <laughs> to catch a fish with this, this rod and reel because that's the kind. I'm Buddy, by the way, and Laura is Honey. And so that's the kind of thing that Buddy and Honey do for you. And then the third picture is I'm happy, happy, happy because I'm fishing up here at the lake. Now, she thinks she's fishing, right? We all know not so much, but you can't tell her that. It all depends on what? Perspective. Perspective. So from the way she's looking at it, you know, that's the way it is. Okay, everybody look at her and say, "Oh, Okay, bye, Collins. Okay, that's good. (laughs) So now yesterday I went to something I've never been to before. I never even heard of this before. Have you heard of this? I went to a flamingo party. Are you familiar with this? Flamingo. Now you students, you're going to take notes on this. 830, they were all over it. They loved it. A flamingo party is where you wear a flamingo shirt and you mingle. So really. So this couple in the church invited us to their penthouse and we went to a flamingo party and we ha- everybody had on flamingo shirts. They had little flamingo sunglasses. They had everything was flamingo. He he's in his 80s and he had on the biggest flamingo float around his waist. He was sitting in his chair. He had a little pointy finger like that, like he was the king. He was in charge, and and, and so that's what we did. We went. Now, Collins, uh, our granddaughter, is going to have one of those in July. So we got two uses for the shirt. I almost wore it today just so I could get another use. And the other reason is we just moved. We just moved this Did you catch that? When I say we moved, it means we took everything in our house and we moved it to a new house, okay? So we don't, and they say, are you settled? Are you moved in and settled? Yes, we're moved in. Settled? No. No, we're not settled. We, we can't find anything. We, we wake up in the morning and trip over a box, and then we go, oh, yeah, I live here now. And we don't know where, I'm just glad we found underwear. I'm just telling you how it is. And that flamingo shirt was right there, and I almost put it on because I could find it this morning, right? Now, let me say this to you because it's all about what? Perspective. Okay. So if I say to you, I'm moving this week, what do you say? Oh, yeah. You might give me a little, a little sympathy, maybe. Mercy gift there. You might just say, okay, no big deal. You're moving, right? But what if I say to you, you're moving this week. What about that? What do you say? Oh, no. Anything but moving. I don't want to have to do that again. What a disaster that is. It's all about Perspective. That's right. So today I want to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to tell you about. I grew up and I played sports, right? And so I see sports and I, I'm watching sports. I've been watching the World Series, college world. Anybody watching the World Series, college? Yeah. And so I was pulling for Mike Martin in FSU because he comes. Did you know he comes to church here in the off season? He comes to church here. He'll come to the 830 service and slip in the back there. And uh, he and his wife, Carol. And uh, so I was pulling for Mike. And this was his last chance to win the World Series. And they got beat. Was, I hate that. Anyway, but his son is going to succeed him now. Did you see that in the news? So that's cool. So anyway, uh, I, and I'm going to congratulate him next time he comes because he's a great guy. Well, I know about sports, right? So if Laura and I are watching sports and, and you know, she says, how do you know which ones are good players before they even start playing? How, how can you? Well, I don't know. I've just been around it. I know about sports. I can tell you. Now, Laura, on the other hand, is a musician. She knows about music. She can sing and play the guitar. So if she listens to music, she'll say, hey, did you hear that instrument? You know, and she'll tell me what it is, and I'll go, i go, I didn't hear that, you know. And she'll tell me, and I'll listen. Yeah, it is there. I hear it. And, and then, you know, she'll say, did you notice they changed keys there? And I said, I didn't even know they had keys. And, and so then, but then, you know, that's what happens. We, and then, you know, I, when it's over, I lean over to her and I say, was that good? And she'll say, yes, it was. I said, well, I thought so, but I didn't know. I was just checking with you because you know. So, so here's the deal. You know, whatever we see, uh, when we're, we're, what we experience determines what we see. In other words, the experience that we have contributes to what we see in life. We can pick up on things. Let me give you another example church leadership. I've studied under a lot of people about church leadership and churches. And so when I go to churches, I can automatically look. I can see what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. I just notice all kinds of things like that. Everybody else just goes in and goes, yeah, it's church. Okay, so what? But, but I see that kind of stuff. I'm thinking about it. Now, my wife who likes music, you get in the car with her, do you know what she listens to? The news. She doesn't want to listen to music because she says, when I listen to music, I'm all the time trying to, you know, listen to it and analyze it and all that stuff. It's kind of like a preacher going to church and listening to somebody else preach. A buddy of mine from college is a Methodist preacher. He was in the 830 service today. You couldn't even swing a stick without hitting a Methodist preacher. And he was in there, and I don't know if he was analyzing stuff or not, but it's hard for us just to go and listen to somebody else. I'll give you another example. Whatever you experience is what you see, okay? Let's say that I'm driving down the road and my car breaks down on the side of the road. Okay, you know what I can do? Raise the hood. That's it. That's pretty much the sum of my... Unless that sucker's on fire, there's nothing, not a lot I can do, okay? So I raise the hood. You come along. You know all about cars. You stop, and you go, well, yes, I can see. It's this part right here. We'll fix that right up, and you'll be on your way. And I just say, thank God for you because you're a divine appointment. You're a gift because I don't know anything about cars. So, so what you experience has an impact on what you see, well, the apostle Paul had had some experience. He had seen a couple of things, he'd seen the sinfulness of man and the goodness of God. He had seen what it was like to persecute Christians because he did not only did he persecute, he killed some of them. I mean, that's what he was all wrapped up in. You know, Paul went after something, he went all the way, but then he had the Damascus Road experience and he was blinded by God, and God got his attention. And then what happened to him? He he became a great man of God. And so then he saw the goodness of God. Now, because he had seen both of those things, the sinfulness of man and the goodness of God, he wanted to try to help people see that. And he was talking to the Philippians, the people at Philippi. That was a church he started. Those were people that he loved. And he was trying to help them to see, hey, there's some dangers out there I want you to be aware of. There's some things that are going to come along, and if you're not careful, you'll get blindsided by them, and you won't even notice them. So he said, I'm writing from prison. And, you know, he's writing from prison. He wants to go preach in Rome, but he's in prison. His goal is to get a lot of people together, tell them all about Jesus, but God says, no, I've got a better plan. I'm going to put you in prison so you can write most of the New Testament. And when you do that, you're going to have a much bigger impact and influence on people than just going out and preaching one time. In fact, we're still talking about him today, aren't we? And so you see how God used that in such a powerful way. And, and so he's in prison. What does he say? Rejoice in the Lord. He says, in other words, here's a guy that probably needed, you know, if it was me, I'd need people to come around me and, and kind of pick me up and, and support me and encourage me. He's encouraging these folks. He's saying, I love you. I appreciate you. Rejoice in the Lord. No matter what's going on, rejoice in the Lord. And so what happened in those days where people started sharing the gospel? They, they, they were like the students who are here sharing the gospel this summer, and they went out. And who were the first people they took the gospel to? Well, they went out and they talked to the Jewish people. That's who they wanted to communicate with, right? And then, then they went to the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were, were half Jewish, right? And, and half Gentile. I mean, you know, it might have a Jewish parent on one side and the other a Gentile. And so they were partially Jewish. And the Jews weren't sure if you could do that. Uh, But they said, well, since they're Samaritans, they're kind of Jewish, so I guess it's okay, right? Well, then they started taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And they said, wait a minute, you can't really do that. And and so these Jewish, these strict Jewish people said, what you've got to do is you've got to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. And they had this big debate, and they argued about it for a while, and they said, okay, okay, you don't have to do that. You can just become a Christian after that. And so Paul was trying to help them understand what it means to be a Christian. One of the big arguments they had was about circumcision. And they said, well, you can't be a Christian unless you're circumcised. And you can imagine that's a pretty hard sell for an adult man. You want me to do what exactly? What are you talking about? No, That's okay. Y'all go ahead and do that. I'll be over here, okay? And, and so they don't really want to do that. And, and so they said, well, no, you don't have to do that. And, and they get caught up in a lot of rules. And those rules really don't mean anything to people, but that's kind of the background. Now, here's the danger. Number one, it's legalism. Number one, it's legalism. Now, that's the first danger that we see. That's what Paul knew about. What is legalism? Well, it's substituting rules for relationship. It's substituting rules for relationship. Now, you don't like to just follow a bunch of rules. I mean, who, who does? You know, if I just came in and I said, okay, Joe says that you have to do this. It's kind of like Simon says. Joe says you have to do this all week. Well, why are you doing it? Well, because Joe said so. I guess, you know, well, that's not going to last. Who wants to do that just because I said something, right? And so what, what we need to see is that there were a lot of rules. There were biblical rules, man-made rules, Jewish rules, all kinds of rules. And, and those rules really were, were not important to the people. So he says, for it is we who are are the circumcision. What's he talking about? He says, we who serve God by the Spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. What's he talking about there? He said, though I myself have reasons for confidence. He's talking about circumcision, but he's talking about circumcision of the heart. He's talking about how your heart can be pierced by the gospel. He's talking about how the Holy Spirit can speak to you and how that can motivate you to follow him. Now, Paul says, if anybody's got a pedigree, I do. He's saying, I'm the guy. He said, I was a Pharisee. I did everything right. And he did. All the rules that they had, he followed all those rules to the T. He was somebody in his mind because of all that he did. It was saying I was born in the right group. I was an elite of the elite. I'm a Pharisee's Pharisee. It would be like saying my dad was Billy Graham and my mother was Mother Teresa. Okay? Would that get your attention there? Huh? Hello? Are you awake? Okay, I just want to check. It's like I was I was raised in the church, I was baptized as a baby, I went to Christian school, I did everything right, I I was there every Sunday no matter what, I behaved the right way. And, And not only did he follow the Ten Commandments, but the Pharisees had 613 rules. Look at the person next to you and say, 613 rules. Go ahead and tell them that, right? 613 rules. Can you imagine trying to keep up with those rules? And they were all about the Sabbath, guarding the Sabbath. You couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. Let me, let me just share three of the 613 rules with you. I'm not making these up, okay? Are you ready? Number one, you can't eat an egg laid by a chicken on the Sabbath. That was one of them. 613. That's why Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday. I'm not making this up. It's right there. Are you paying attention? (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good, wasn't it? Okay, the second thing was that if you got bit by a mosquito on the Sabbath, I know, I know, if this happened, I wouldn't like it If you got bit by a mosquito on the Sabbath, you couldn't scratch it because that would be work. That's right. You couldn't scratch the mosquito bite. That's another important rule. If you want to be a godly person, stay away from the mosquitoes, okay? Another one is this. On the Sabbath, you can't look in the mirror because if you see a gray hair, you might be tempted to pluck it out. That was right. That's, one, that's three. I'm not making these up. Three rules. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, let me ask you a question. How legalistic are we today, okay? Well, I'm right with God. I go to church and I never miss, right? I go on Sunday morning or go on Sunday night, even if there's a really good game of football or soccer, I still go back because that's just the kind of guy I am, right? Or I go to prayer meeting. I pray an hour a day. And if you only pray 58 minutes a day, you're out of there. You're history. You're just not cool enough, right? You're not as righteous as I I read through the whole Bible every year. How about you? Do you do that? Hmm? 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 Okay. Or I'm not as bad as those other people. Some people go to R-rated movies. I don't go to R-rated movies. I couldn't even see The Passion of the Christ because it was an R-rated movie. It's a lot of rules, right? I don't drink alcohol, not even when we're having communion. It's strictly grape juice for me, pal. That's the way it's going to be, right?
1: Or I don't
0: listen to secular music. You know, you can get caught up in all kinds of legalistic things even today that are crazy. And here's what they produce. Two things. Write this down. They produce... Legalism produces false guilt, it produces false guilt, and it produces false confidence. Now, what am I saying by that? Well, if you start comparing yourself to other people, you might begin to think, well, I'm nobody. Well, I don't do the right thing. Well, they're they're holier than I am. I'm not good enough. I need to work at this. I need to be better. So you're all the time beating yourself up because you don't measure up, right? The other side of that is the false confidence is I'm better than you are. (laughs) And so all I have to do is compare myself to you, and I feel pretty good about myself. So stick around because you make me feel good, okay? And I like to just look at you and go, I'm better than they are. Boy, how that's great. And so you have to be careful. Paul says be careful about that. Don't get caught up in that kind of stuff. That's a danger that you don't want to be stuck in, the danger of legalism. Okay, you got it? Second thing, he says don't, don't get caught up in worldly distractions. There's all kinds of worldly distractions out there. And they what do they do? They distract us. That's why they're distractions. They distract us from what God is really saying is important. And what Paul wants us to understand. Now the Greek word he says, all these worldly distractions compared to Jesus are rubbish. They're garbage. The things, some of these things that we hold important. They're worthless. They're temporary. They do not matter. He said, but, but the, that relationship with Jesus and the eternal things, those are the things that matter. And so that's really what he's talking about there. You know, pray the prayer to know Christ and to follow Christ and to live with Christ. Experience the goodness of God, he's saying, because he's experienced that now. It's changed his life, and he wants to tell other people about it. And the third thing is spiritual complacency. Spiritual complacency. Now here's the deal. You and I need to be satisfied with the things we have, okay? But we don't need to be satisfied in our walk with God. Because we always want to grow. We're going on to perfection. We always want to grow. We want to get closer to God. We, we want to do what God would have us do. Not because that'll save us. Because we're saved, we have a heart for God. We want to do what, we want to be obedient. We want to follow him. We want to do what will please him. And so you can get spiritually complacent about your spiritual life or about your marriage or about your kids or about your giving. He said, don't get spiritually complacent. Watch out for that. And he says, I've seen the unfaithfulness of men, but I've also seen the goodness of God. And so I want you to see that and focus on that. And be satisfied with what you have, but, but you know, look beyond that to see what God would have you do. Okay, now let me just wrap it up by telling you this story, okay? You still with me? Anybody awake? Is there anybody here in the room? Is this the dress rehearsal? Okay, here's, (laughs) I want to thank both of you for sticking around. Okay, here's the deal. Yesterday at my Flamingo party, say that to your person next to you, Flamingo. Don't you just like saying that? Isn't that cool? All the students in here, they're going to come in next Sunday with Flamingo shirts on. I can tell. And they're going to be having one of those parties. And you need to get all those props, too, when you do it, because it's just way cool, okay? So I'm at this party, and I meet this guy, and his name is Carlos. And I ask him about his life, and he said, well, I was born in Mexico, and when I was 10 years old, my family moved to Houston. And he said, I couldn't speak English, and I couldn't read English, and I'm 10 years old, so I don't know my address, and I don't know my phone number, And I can't tell you anything. I'm just 10 years old. I've just shown up. I'm here. And the neighbor next door, he speaks Spanish. And he says, hey, you want to go for a ride on my bike? And he says, yeah. He said, well, get on. I'll I'll take you for a ride. He said, where are we going? He said, we're going around the block. He said, I get on the back of the bicycle. And the kid doesn't go around the block. He goes several blocks. He keeps going. And when he gets to where he's going, he goes to his grandmother's house. And when he gets there, his grandmother says, since you're here, I'd like for you to cut the grass. And the kid looks at, his, at Carlos, and he says, hey, listen, my grandmother wants me to cut the grass, so here's a nickel. Get on the bus and just ride it back to the house, you know, because I can't take you back right now. So Carlos, he doesn't know any better, so he gets on the bus. He pays the nickel. This was a long time ago. And, he, takes on, and he, so he rides the bus all the way to the end of the line. Bus turns around. It comes back in Houston. It goes all the way to the end of the line again. He turns around. He's sitting in the back of the bus. He just keeps riding the bus. Finally, the bus driver says, I got to go home. My shift is over. So he just takes him to downtown Houston and says, get off here. Carlos doesn't know where he is. He can't read street signs. Now, I want you to imagine this. I'm telling you this story, and you're hearing it from your perspective. But what if it was you? What if you can't read? What if you don't know your address? What if you can't speak the language? What if you don't know how to get to your house? You don't know the phone number. You're in downtown Houston, a pretty big place. How are you going to get home? So he said he just kind of walked around downtown Houston looking in the windows. And finally, I mean, this is all day long. And finally, you know, he starts crying. He doesn't know what else to do. And then this Mexican lady comes up to him, and she speaks Spanish, and she says, What are you doing? And he tells her what happened. And she said, Well, where do you live? He said, I don't know. Well, what's your phone number? I don't know. Well, how do you get your house? I don't know. He, he doesn't, But she can translate for him. So out of the goodness of her heart, she takes him to the police. He said, I was lost. She takes him to the police station. She translates for him. They ask him the same questions. Where do you live? I don't know. What's your phone? I, I don't know. What street? I don't know. He doesn't know anything. And so finally they keep asking him questions. And then he remembers, because they rented this house, he remembers the only thing he knows is the name of the landlord. And the landlord has this unusual German name. And so he knows that name. And so he tells the police, you know, through the translator, he says, well, this is the landlord. And so there's not that many in the Houston phone book with that last name. And so they call them all. And finally they get to the landlord and they go, hey, have you rented this house, you know, and are you looking? And they say, yeah, we're looking for this kid. Can you tell? We got him right here. And so then they get the address. And it was about seven, I asked him, do you know how far? It was about seven miles from where he was to where he lived. But it could have been the moon for all he knew. And so he he finally, he said, now that woman saved me. He said, I was lost. And and God just sent that woman into my life. And that saved me. That's how I got home. Now fast forward in his life. He's older, okay? Now he's an adult, but he doesn't know Jesus. He said, for him, he grew up in the Catholic church. And he said, growing up in the Catholic Church, for me, he said, it was in Latin. So he said, we couldn't understand anything they said. They told us when to stand up, when to sit down, when to kneel, you know, all that stuff. We did all that stuff. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what he was talking about. We just went because that's what you did because everybody did that. We were just a community religion, right? And he said, so I'm on this airplane, and I'm a businessman, and all I want to do is have a drink and go to sleep and go back home, right? And he said, I'm really lost. I don't know God. And he says, this guy gets on, he sits down beside him, and he's a minister. And he looks at him, and he starts talking to him. And this is what he says. This is what got his attention. He says, what has God done for you today? He said, what do you mean? He said, what has God done for you today? He said, I didn't talk to God, okay? I'm just trying to catch a ride home and, and fly home. But he said, the guy keeps talking to him. And the way he's talking to him, it's really interesting. And he says, he's genuine. And he's sincere and he seems really interested in me. And so I listen to him. And the more he talks, the more I hear. And the more I'm, I'm just intrigued by what he's saying. And by the end of the flight, he says, I'm a minister at this church. And I want to invite you to come to the church. And so he goes, Okay. And he goes home, and over a few weeks, he thinks about it, and he can't get away from it. It just keeps resonating. You know, this preacher talked to him, and he wants me to come to his church. So he tells his wife, and he gets the kids, and the whole family goes to the church. And he said, it was totally different from what I was used to. He said, I go to the church, and the guy talks to me about stuff that, that applies to me. And it's stuff that I can use for this week. And he said, I'm just fascinated by it. And he said, when he tells me about the Apostle Paul, it was like they were next-door neighbors and grew up together. And I'm there. I mean, I'm transported. I know what it's like. he, He almost describes what Paul looks like. He's got it all in his mind because this guy is just so genuine and so real. Now, here's the deal. He said, you know, it wasn't about following a bunch of rules. He said, that didn't really mean anything to me. He said it was about relationship." And here's another way to say that. It's not so much what we do or don't do. He said the important thing is, it's why we do it. It's why. If we know why, then we're doing it because we just want to be faithful and obedient to God. We're not trying to follow rules. We're just trying to please Him and love Him because He's been so good to us. See, there's a big difference in that and just trying to follow all these rules. Now listen, here, here's this unbeliever, this non-Christian guy, and this guy talks to him. He says, it's not about rules, it's about relationship. And that really touches. What has God done for you today? And, and, and he made him think, well, what has God done for me? And, you know, the will thing, count your blessings. Name them one by one. You'll be amazed what God has done. And so I want to encourage you, this week, if you get a chance to talk to somebody who's far from God, this is your chance. You know, God puts them in your path, and they ask you a question. Best time to answer is when they ask. You get the opportunity. What you can do is say, hey, let me just ask you a question. What's God done for you today? And that winsome, attractive, loving spirit. Holy Spirit speaks through you to other folks. God put you in that place for a reason. He made He gave you a divine appointment. He's been working on that person. He's been prepping them for that very moment that you show up. And the Apostle Paul knew what it was about. That's what he's talking about. And that preacher knew what it was about. It changed Carlos's life. He was lost. And now he's found. Let's pray. Father. We just thank you for Paul. We thank you for his witness. We thank you that even though he's in a terrible situation in prison, he's rejoicing in the Lord. Lord, we don't always know why bad things happen, you know. We can't really understand it. But we know that you are a God who loves us. We know you are a God. You'll use anything for your glory. And so, Lord, we just pray that we might get that mindset to rejoice in you, no matter what's going on, that we can just say, Lord, use it for good. I don't know why. It's okay. You just use it for good in my life and the lives of others. And we'll thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name.